Hey guys, it's Luke. Uh, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about a really cool thing we have coming up. So I'm going to be at the Focus Seek Conference next January in San Antonio. And that Catholic couple is also going to be there as well. And we thought it would be really cool to do a Catching Foxes slash That Catholic Couple meetup with all of our fans. We're going to be at, at the Seek conference next month gomer can't be there so it's so it's just going to um you know uh, be me you're welcome everyone but uh here are the details so it's going to be on friday january 6th at 11 p.m we do not know where it's going to happen yet we're going to let you guys know once once we do we're still kind of hashing out all of the details but we but we do know a meetup is going to happen during the uh now it's not a part of this seek conference so you don't have to be at the conference in order to come and hang out with with all of us but it's uh, going to be during the conference in san antonio odds are it'll be around the area where the conference is happening so mark your calendars down right now friday january 6th at 11 p.m., Catching Foxes slash that Catholic couple meetup. Cannot wait to party and hang out with all of you guys. This is going to be a blast. Peace. <laughs> Can you be really vulnerable again? That'd be great. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Catching Foxes. This is episode number 69, entitled, spoiler alert, we got divorced. This episode deals with the tragedy of an ending marriage. What does it mean to be divorced? What does it mean to be Catholic in a divorce situation? And what does it mean for your friends and how they treat you when you get divorced? This is an intense tale Editing was super difficult because there's so much to the story, so we hope you enjoy. Special shout-out to all those going to the Seek Conference. Luke is going to be there for a meetup, although he has to wear a paper bag over his head and he can't tell you his last name. Finally, we want to thank our sponsors for the third week in a row, Cherubalm. Cherubalm.com. Go to their mission page. Find out about all the great people that they sponsor. You'll hear that a little bit later in the show. Enjoy. You know, I was popular. I was confident. Girls liked me. <laughs> or at least I thought girls. You know, I was confident. Okay. What was that so, like? Was that? <laughs> Luke had a perm when he was in high school. <laughs> so, uh, um, but I really, towards middle end of senior year, I really just was, I felt this deep calling in my heart um, of like what, you know, does God exist? You know, like, like what else is out there? Cause I, I really, I stopped going to church when I was in sixth grade. You know, I, I, I received confirmation. My dad didn't go to mass. He still doesn't go to mass, but he's a, he's a good dude, you know? And, and, and so I was like, I'm done mom. You know, she, she went to mass. My parents had two kids and me and my brother like graduated from going to church when we received our confirmation. Right. So as you do, as is <laughs> so, um, a tradition, go on. <laughs> as is, as is church doctrine, apparently, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, senior in high school, I really just started to 
I, I was like, there's got to be more to life, you know? I mean, like, I... So I, I honestly, legitimately... Um, I had these born-again Christian relatives who were good Christian witness about, like, Jesus, okay? Like, belief in Jesus, like, following Jesus, okay? And I would see them maybe once a year. And so I really started to think, like, does God exist? And if God exists, that, I mean, God either exists or there's really nothing else, you know? It was a really a deep philosophical drive in me. It was like, if God doesn't exist, like, what the heck is the point of all this, right? So... And I, and I, in the same time, I stumbled upon EWTN and I stumbled upon Mother Angelica. This was like in the late nineties on, on the, like channel 75 on cable. And we had like 76 channels, you know? Oh, and, yeah. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. So stumbled upon EWTN really piqued my interest, really seemed like something genuine and real to me. So senior year in high school, towards the end of senior year in high school, um, started to go through this little bit of a conversion, kind of an isolated conversion, so to speak, where um, I started to seek answers to these questions, seek the truth of God and and and, and life, and uh, started reading the Bible a little bit, started listening to Protestant preachers on the radio. You know, just was very open to the idea of Jesus and, and God. And, and, and so throughout that summer, going into the freshman year in college, I was very... I was, I, I became convicted of the reality of Jesus. Okay. Belief in Jesus. I became a believer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, I think, which I think is important in, in conversion experience walk. And then I became believing that the Catholic church was with all its warts and faults and, and realities is the church that Jesus left and will be here long beyond we're all here. Okay. So, um, I went to a university in Philadelphia, um, which I was destined to go to because my uncles, my brother, my dad went to it. Um, St. Joe's, St. Joe's University in Philadelphia. And, 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 and I, and I really was just, I just kind of needed a change. Right. So then I, I saw a commercial for our university <laughs> when I was watching EWTN and I ended up <laughs> I was like what? Oh, EWTN, not... yeah, never. <laughs> EWTN. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, like <laughs> was it a Super Bowl commercial on EWTN?" <laughs> it's like the, the halftime show for EWTN. Sponsored by friends. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, right. Mother Angelica and Ray Arroyo are going to dazzle you with more talking. <laughs> so no, I mean, Mother Angelica, I mean, she was, I, I really, she was awesome. I mean, like, I'm, I'm still towing the line of making an argument for EWTN, although they need to, I think they need to modernize things a little bit. But, no. <laughs> More catching foxes, less Raymond Arroyo. Go on. Sorry. Probably, yes, yes, exactly. Did it, uh, so, saw, saw a commercial for Franciscan. My parents... You know, my, who I said, I mean, good people, very loving. My mom always still went to church, even though we all quit, right? My mom towed the line, great, faithful, loving woman, you know, works of mercy oriented woman, very genuinely loving woman. And my dad's very loving dude in his own way, right? Of course, you know, like always there, family dinners, et cetera. We, uh, so I came over from St. Joe's and I was like, I got it. I got it. I got to change something. I got to go somewhere else. You know, I need a change in life. 
and I was crying. And my, my, my dad was like, well, I mean, don't you think you should finish up a year? I mean, in retrospect, that was very reasonable of him. But I was, I was, I was very like, so they supported me going to visit Franciscan. I went to Franciscan to visit, met some, I mean, people like, I went for like a night and a day. I don't even think I went to a class. I went to a mass during the week. There was nuns playing the guitar. And I was like, this is amazing. I was like, this is like awesome, you know? So the next semester I went to Franciscan, which was great. You know, I met all these people, all kinds of people, like from all parts of the world, all different levels of life experience, et cetera. So, uh, and I, and I think what happens to a lot of people in, in, especially in a conversion from maybe like deep secularism or, or, uh, or, or, uh, a not Catholic upbringing, or even like with the Catholic upbringing, people don't necessarily evolve from this, but what happened to me a little bit was I became very, very, very concerned about everybody else in the world. You know, like everybody in my family, I had to convert right away. You know, I had to, I had to tell them the truth of the church's teaching. I had to like beat them over the head with, you know, oh, if I just go home, when I go home and I tell them all about the church's teaching, they're just going to convert, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to, because, because it's so clear to me, they're just going to like, <laughs> it's just going to be so clear to them. And, and if they don't convert, then they're just like going to hell, you know? So I went through that, that a little bit as I think many people have mm-hmm. in reality. So oh, the zealous young, <laughs> I called that 2002. Go on. <laughs> what happened exactly. to all my CDs, all my <laughs> secular CDs? They're in the trash. <laughs> I broke them. And then I downloaded them again on iTunes. Later, so. <laughs> on Napster. On Napster. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the kid rock thing was that good, but occasionally I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got to reject everything that has anything to do with the world and listen to John Michael Talbot for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. And now, of course, I'm like upper 30s. I love classic rock. I love like I'm like, man, I wish I didn't give away all that stuff. So <laughs> I had some great CDs, man. Come on. I had all the doors. I had the doors box set. You know, it's oh, gone man. now, you know. Sorry, Eminem. Toby Mac replaced you. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, anyway, I, uh, so at Franciscan, I, you know, I think I was there to hang out, to learn theology, to go to mass. I wasn't very focused and, uh, you know, we were hanging out being holy thinking about like, I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm going to go be a teacher. I'm going to go be a preacher whatever. I wasn't very discipline self-disciplined you know i mean everything in retrospect is like if i went back to college i'd probably get straight a's now right i'd like (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'd like i'd like double major right i got a theology major right which isn't which isn't the most practical thing in the world right now but thankfully it's worked out um so so basically what you're saying is you wish you could have gone back in time and did the michael gormley route with the straight A's and the double major and, and Luke making fun of the fact that I got a GED in order to get into college. Did you? That's awesome. <laughs> homeschool, baby. Homeschool. <laughs> homeschool. Yes. The first time I ever met homeschool people ever in my life was at Franciscan <laughs> University. Okay. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like I served at Franciscan and like people were like talking about, oh, you're not supposed to 
oh, oh, he's like, you're going to mass in an hour? I mean, you're not supposed to be eating this food right now. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you, th- <laughs> what? I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You know, and what now it's eat? like, I mean, it's like, now it's like, uh, okay. Now it's like, I realize how the letter of the laws in many different aspects, people just grasp onto, you know, and this will kind of lead into further our conversation tonight, but they grasp onto it and they use, they, they, they find comfort in it and they, it makes them feel good about their life. You know, I mean, there's, there's a value to it, but it also, I think can be confusing for people. If, if that's what they, if that's their encounter of Catholicism of, of Jesus is the letter of the law, you know, which something I now in my life, I, I try, I try to realize and, and talk about that the first thing that people need to know, none of the teachings of the church, and I love the theology of the church. I love the philosophy. I love the history of the church with all its warts and all its, I mean, 2000 years of history, you know, I mean, like, but the, the thing that I, that I, that I think is very important to realize now as a little bit of an older man is that only thing that, the only way that any of that makes sense is if people first believe in God and, and, and understand that God exists. And then secondly, Jesus. And then the rest of that is like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's like Jesus exists. And then the rest of this stuff like kind of follows with it. But Jesus first needs to meet you in your situation and encounter you. And I know you guys understand that and believe that now you know but but like going through that experience i feel like, I feel like in your old age you've gone soft people have to first believe in transubstantiation <laughs> then i believe the rest of the fall <laughs> well no What's i mean the substance <laughs> shut up here's thomas aquinas i i think that like when you're at a school like steubenville which i love but it it's when it's kind of that, that like um like, what do you do when you get Christendom? I mean, like when you're in, when you're in a culture where Christ is the center of that culture, where where it, where it all comes from, but it's but it's lived out by people, yeah. and it's very easy, I think, to get caught up in other rules, and then, like, like I I had a girl tell me when I was eighteen that. I, that there isn't any way I should even start to date a girl, un, like un, unless I could see myself married to her. And to me, as an eighteen-year-old kid who was not mature, who didn't have his like shit together, that was the worst thing I could possibly hear. You, you know, and that idea of like, well, like this is how you need to act, right? In like order to be good, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the good thing. That's that. That's that's the value. I think maybe we, br- you know, bring to the table where you know a, a good buddy of mine who you guys know, he's a priest in in the diocese of Pittsburgh. He, uh, me and him are talking recently, and I said, "Bro, I was like the stuff we're saying now, we would have jumped all over, fifteen years ago, and and like criticized and like said we were crazy liberals." You know, (laughs) I mean, but like, you know, and like the way I, yeah, anyway, so back, backing up again to the, to the front, to the experience in college, 
awesome experience, great experience. Experience Jesus very in a real way with people, with real people, with real conversion and experience. Um, a little bit, a lot of my friends got married right out of college, met their wives, and, and, and they had a bit more of a foundation than me, a bit more of a support structure, a bit more of a emotional maturity than me. I did not have uh, a strong emotional maturity in retrospect back then, you know? Um, and so when they all left, I was a little like, there's this, there's this pressure and there's this sense, there was a sense and it wasn't talked about enough back when we were in college that you need to come out of here ready to get married, you know, or, or, you know, like just like you're, you're going to be a saint. You're going to go change the world. You got to be ready to get married when you get out of school, you know? And, and, and in reality, that's unrealistic. And it's also not really talking about the issues or the life that people still need to experience or that they, the actual calling. And this is something I understand more now is our calling is not necessarily our, our ultimate calling is to go to heaven. Our ultimate calling is to be with Jesus at the end of like when we die, our ultimate calling is to follow God's will. Our ultimate, like our vocation, quote unquote, is only supposed to lead us down that path or to be the full, you know, kind of like fulfillment of what our, what our destiny is. And that doesn't need to be figured out when we're, when we're 21 years old, you know? So necessarily, I mean, it, it really isn't going to be, you know, I mean, for everybody. So I, um, met a girl in, 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 in college in Franciscan. She was in and out of college. We met, we were both not in great personal positions. I was kind of like failing out of school. I was kind of like listless. I lost my motivation for school. We met, we dated long distance <clears throat> and I just was like, you know, you know what? Like, I, I just want to get married, you know? And I was thinking to myself, she's Catholic I'm Catholic. She went to friends. We're just going to make it work, you know? And, 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 um, and I fell in love with her family and we, and I, I mean, in retrospect, I wasn't really in, we didn't really have a relationship. You know, we didn't have a strong relationship. We didn't have that level of maturity. Neither of us did at all. Can I ask you a question right here? Sure. Sure. When you were having a relationship with her, you met her originally at Franciscan, right? Before mm -hmm. she left. Okay. Now, did you have a one of those typical Franciscan relationships where you know her, your friends are friendly with her, and then one day you're walking around campus, you find a bench somewhere, you sit down, and you just have an amazing conversation till 2 o'clock in the morning, and then you get back <laughs> and you tell all your household brothers, guys, like, I just had this amazing conversation. I can tell you how many, I mean, like, dozens upon dozens of times Everyone thinks they met the one because they had a four-hour conversation where they made themselves <laughs> look awesome to some girl. You know. I'm here with my son, Thomas. Say hi, Thomas. Uh. There you go. Hey, quit taking the microphone. We're recording this new Cherubalm ad together in the middle of this heartwarming episode. The folks at Cherubalm were supposed to have another ad spot this week, but they chose instead to sponsor a pitch for some other charities that their business supports. First up is Shannon's Hope. They are a maternity home just outside Denver and strive to provide a residential community, 
where pregnant women who have no place to call home can live. They offer a life-affirming atmosphere of faith, hope, and love to new mothers in difficult circumstances. What do you think about that, Thomas? I agree. I agree. Second, we want to mention Gabriel House, a network of parishes and volunteers that assist families throughout northern Colorado. They are committed to providing needed supplies to mothers and families with young children. Third, Signs of Hope. You're getting angry now. Third, Signs of Hope places life-affirming billboards throughout the city of Denver with phone numbers for crisis pregnancy centers prominently displayed. If you're in the Denver area, we strongly encourage you to check out these organizations. They're great. If you live somewhere else, see if you can find a similar organization nearby. If you can't, hey, maybe you should get on that. In case you happen to believe that the world's ills cannot be remedied with political slogans and platitudes, then find something you can do to help and please do it. You can find all the links to these charities mentioned at cherubalm.com and then click on our mission or go find your own mission or whatever. <laughs> Thank you, sponsors, cherubalm.com. Say goodbye, Thomas. Dad. <laughs> and then, no, and then... I mean, it was... It... Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't, it was like, we were friends of friends, we had mutual friends, we both kind of liked it, she liked me, I kind of liked her because she liked me, <laughs> okay, um, I was a little, I was a little, uh, anyways, we both left school, we didn't really have those strong conversations, but, but there was that grand assumption that we went to Franciscan, we, we have the same beliefs, you know, we, this is awesome. We got to be like compatible. Right. So I went to Philly. She went to Dayton area. Okay. Where Luke is from. (laughs) It's a glorious place. Sorry. Worst place on earth. Go on. So we started to date long distance where I would go visit. And, and, but I was pretty determined. I was like choosing to love this person. And she in my, my perception, like we both just kind of wanted to get married. Okay. So I ended up that summer moving to Cincinnati, living in, I think Hamilton, working at a a Staples in Springboro, Ohio, and, uh, getting engaged really about, about a year after we started just having interest in each other. Okay. Because I just I fell in love with her family. I, I, I really was very committed to the idea of marriage. I wanted to get married. I loved her family. I thought we would just make it work out, right? Okay. So we All did. your friends are getting married from all Francis. my friends are married. Yeah. All my friend yes, all my friends are married, right? Okay. So I'm like, this is like the, the raison d'etre of my Ooh. life. Ooh, okay. getting fancy. I like it. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, we get engaged. <clears throat> I find out <laughs> about it. So, the buddy I was living with, an old household brother of ours, Mark, with an M, he is a tall guy, six foot five ish. Anyway, we're, he's an older school guy, brother of ours. He, mm. uh, he told me he was going to, he was going to tell us to break up, you know, because there was all these signs that there was just problems with our relationship, problems with, you know, 
anyway, but I was focused. I was like going to get married and I'm like, we're going to just make this work. Okay. So the following May, we actually go through, we get married, you know, and I'm like, we're going to make it work. So I moved to Philly and we joined, I joined my family business and I'm like, just going to settle down. And, and almost immediately, <clears throat> I mean, this isn't <laughs> a very glamorous story at all, but we, even on the honeymoon, I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what did I get myself into? You know, um, you know, was that the, it, it was, was that the first moment it hit you? Yes. Because yeah, because okay. I think before when we were engaged and we were like, it was just like, this is going to be different, you know, yeah. like things yeah. are going to be different. Like I think when people get engaged and when people, uh, they, they, they can glaze over every issue that may be yeah. a problem, you know? So we can get, we, we get married, we move to Philly. We, um, she gets with child, you know, right away. I remember I, I went and, uh, talked to my mom in Philly quickly after we get married. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think I like, you know, <laughs> made a mistake. And I, and I literally said that, and I, I don't really believe that, that now, you know, I don't believe that, that like it was a mistake, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, but I remember then just feeling like we got married and we didn't know each other. We didn't have a good relationship. And to my parents and my family's credit, they, they really said to me, my, you know, my dad, my, my uncles, like old school, like, look, you made your bed. You got to, you got to lay in it, you know? And, and <laughs> I, I want a new that. bed. I want a new bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I believe that. I mean, I really yeah, do believe yeah. that. I believe that, I believe that. And I think this is, is true in history that, you know, that people can get married and they, they don't even necessarily need to know each other very well. Okay. Necessarily. But if they're Christian and if they're Catholic, I mean, okay, <laughs> let me qualify this. I don't believe this is the, the, the way to go about it necessarily today, but I believe, but what I believed in then, and I believe in even now to an extent is that if people, two people are mature enough and they decide they make a commitment and they, they, they are committed to this life. They're committed to love each other. They have children. They can, they can love each other. I mean, they won't, be necessarily ideal per se but 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 it'll be like um, probably most of the other marriages in history of mankind okay yeah where where it is marriage is about commitment it's about self-sacrifice it's about love you, you know, can it's about learn to love each other you can grow in that friendship with each other just because right. it's not just because it's not beauty and the beast uh romance beforehand you know, doesn't mean that those things can't happen and continue to develop Correct. when you're married. If you're committed to each other and committed to the idea of marriage. Correct. You're okay. right. So, so I don't want to, I don't, I guess I don't want to drag out the story too long, but what? Uh, <laughs> I will. You guys can edit all this out. No, you can edit. You're it fine. Out as much as you want. This is what we do. But the point, <laughs> I think we need to go back to junior high. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Junior high. <laughs> Junior high, I asked this girl out on to the snowball dance. <laughs> and, uh, um, so, uh, so we're in Philly, married, have a child on the way. And I, and I, and I literally make the commitment, 
you know, that I'm, I'm in this for the rest of my life. I mean, like, you know, you make that on your wedding day, right? But a lot of people, I don't, I don't think they realize the commitment they make on the wedding day, you know? And, yeah. then, and then there's certain points in their lives where they have to recommit to that idea. And, and, and I know this for a fact from my grandma, even. My grandma had 14 children, you know? She told me, <laughs> she said, you know what? Like a week after, or a, a couple years after we were married, they lived in like San Francisco, my grandfather and my grandma for a couple of years. And she woke up and she was like, who did I marry? You know, like, who is this guy? You know, what the heck did I get myself into? Right. And fast forward now, she's got 45 grandchildren, 14 children, and she is like a saint. You wow. Know? Yeah. So to me, I was like, okay, like we can make this work. All right. So that is the commitment I made. I was never going to get divorced. It was very, very difficult because we never had a great relationship. And of course, meanwhile, I have all these friends with great marriages, you know, with good, good, great relationships, great marriages, you know. And, and meanwhile, I'm in this situation where I, it is very difficult. There, I didn't feel like there was buy-in. There, I mean, in my perspective, okay, there wasn't buy-in from her, okay, and 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 oh, to the to the to that idea ever, you know. So there you're, wasn't you're like, at a you're at a ten commitment wise, and she's at a two, or something like that. Exactly. You're, you're carrying the weight <laughs> of the marriage, but she, I mean, she's there. She's but it's not it's not as reciprocated. Is that how you'd say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and in retrospect, okay, like, okay, fast forward to today, we have an annulment, okay? Spoiler alert, we got divorced, okay? Um, but uh, at that time, I never, ever was going to get a divorce, ever, never, you know? And I never would wish to get a divorce, especially with children, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, ever, you know, especially like with our good education, on the theology of marriage, right? <laughs> and, and everything else. Like, there was no way I was going to get a divorce. Like, I was like, I was going to, I was going to see this through till death, you know, like till blood spills out of my brain, you know? But, uh, what happened was, you know, we have our daughter who's now 13. She's awesome. You know, thank God. I mean, like we have three children now. We moved it never really worked. Like it just never worked. Like we never had a good relationship. It never stuck, you know? And, uh, it was, it was, um, so we came to a point, we had two children, my daughter and my, my middle son in Philly. And she was always complaining about Philadelphia, but it wasn't really Philadelphia. It was just, it was just us. It was like, Mm -hmm. it, it was just blaming everything. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll move. I was like, I'll move. I'll leave. I was in a family business that I'd be set for life. Family constru- family construction business. It was union. You had deals with the mob. It was <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> so, but I was like, you know, I'm gonna like we'll move. I'm gonna give it one last shot. I went to counseling for a long time. We went to counseling. She didn't go. Like it was just difficult. You know, I'm not like I'm not like trying to put blame on her now at all necessarily. It was just very, you know, it was like I was trying to make it work. Um, 
my perception was she was not, but, but now like, it was just, we just were not, we never really in like, we have an annulment now. So we never really had the mar- the bond of marriage. And, and I think my relationship was a very clear example and, and of, of an annullable situation, you know, where we never really had the both parties, like the brilliance of annulment is that both parties is that it says the reality, I mean, we live in the United States now, you know, we live in the 21st century where most people do not really have any clue what they're going into when they get married. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. They might not even think when they're getting married that this is told death to us part. And you know what? That little nuance right there makes it pretty much like y'all aren't getting married, you know, like unless you both really commit to till death do us part, you're not really getting married, you know? So, um, we moved back to Steubenville because it was like a halfway point. It was away from my family. I kind of had the sense that, you know, I had a really good Catholic Christian counselor and she was like, look, you want to be able to say that you did everything you could do. You want to be mm-hmm. true to your, mm-hmm. to your morals, to your faith. You want to be able to say to your kids, you did everything you did. You could do at the end of the day. Right. And, uh, so I moved back, I moved to Steubenville cause it was like kind of halfway in between us away from our family with the idea that we were going to, um, work it out, you know, but immediately when we got there, it became very apparent to me that she was not on the same page. And even in Philly, it was never really apparent to me in a, in a, in a, tangible way that she was on the same page with commitment you know it wasn't like it wasn't like uh we were both really committed and we were just having problems we were working through it because i know friends from ours from franciscan who they may have gotten married they may have had problems but if they were both committed they've they've worked it they've worked through it they've had they've they've worked it out you know and that's Mm -hmm. reality of marriage right yeah so Studies that I've read when I do things on, on marriage prep at my parish, one of the big things that we tell people is when you hit a rough patch in your marriage, studies show that if you remain married for 12 months, your marriage, people will rate it five years later. They'll say, yeah, that, that was torture, but our marriage is better coming out of it because both people were committed. They're not going anywhere and they could work through the problems. And it's great for the kids to see that because it's like even though mommy and daddy, there's all this conflict, mommy and daddy are staying together in the midst of conflict. And that has very positive, you know, like ramifications for kids. But when there's that lack of commitment, it just, you know, people lose hope so quickly, you know, when they're, when conflict arises and all that stuff. So uh, w- quick question for you when it concerns your kids. Because I know that this is always the the torturous part, you know, like two adults can come to a decision, but like the kids. Now, at this point up in your marriage, you've left Philly, you've moved uh, to Steubenville, midway point. Did you ever see or did she ever see the having of children more than just your Catholic duty or a thing that happens when you have sex, but like as a way to kind of maybe overcome the marital difficulties, you know, you know what I mean? Have a baby to save a marriage. You ever thought of that? <clears throat> yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Um, no, I wouldn't say explicitly. I, I think that, well, for me, 
okay? The, the fact that we had children, to me, was always a higher calling, you know? And, and, and the thing that I, that I really believe to this day is when people have children, things change, right? I mean, like, you get married, right? But when you have kids is when it really changes, when it becomes yeah, real, when it becomes real, right? <laughs> it becomes really hard. I'll just say that. It becomes really hard. <laughs> right, right? I mean, it's like, okay, you have this third, you have this other entity. And, and like in Catholic theology, the, 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 thir- the, the, the introduction of a child that you both bear together, or even not, even if you adopt the child, so to speak, is, is the fruition of your love together, you know? Almost like the Holy Spirit, right? They they they, they call it, they they bring it back to that Trinitarian theology, like Father loves Son, begets the Holy Spirit, bring forth the Holy Spirit. Don't criticize me for my lack of theological terms here. No, you're fine. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do it all the time. The, uh, <laughs> the um, no, I mean to me it was always a an argument for. I always, I felt like for so long I was making arguments why it was valuable for her to stay in the marriage, you know, to commit to the marriage, you know, why it was not, why it was, it was, it was worth more than she thought it was, you know, like why, like her apparent issues, which went way beyond me. I mean, I think they were, I mean, they were, um, maturity issues, uh, psychological issues, you know, like emotional problems. But, but to me, the way they manifest themselves in marriage is like, it's your, it's your fault. You know, it's, it's like my fault. And I, and I was just like, well, Hey, like, listen, like, um, let's just like, that can never be an option. Like, let's just like make this work out. Like we have children here. Like, I don't want to like, like the, the family's a bigger thing than, your your issues are my issues you know it's like a bigger uh, higher calling so um <clears throat> anyway we moved we moved to steubenville we uh we it became very apparent to me by that that there was a not a huge commitment on her part to making it work you know so um a few years into it in steubenville uh, we we actually got to, got to the point where it was like I couldn't really live in my house anymore. I was like, she, you know, she was kind of pursuing other avenues at that point, and and I was like, well, this is not compatible with marriage, you know, <laughs> which uh, which came up many many times, and 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 many people, and I don't want like the thing is I really don't want. <clears throat> To me right now, it's all like I forgive her, you know. To me right now, it's like all like in the past, right? It's yeah. all dead. But but at the time, it's like I never was going to get divorced. And, and then it became – it came to a point where there really wasn't a choice anymore. And I think that, that, that that's one of the, the, the points that I, I don't think – I don't know if people understand is that today, especially in today's society – like when people get divorced, it's not as clear as it's like, I don't know if especially Catholic people know how to interpret that or how to handle that with other people. If people are divorced or people get, you know, have a broken family where 
you know, for me in the moment, it, it was like I, I had to move out of my house. And I remember like talking to my daughter who was eight at the time. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to move. I'm going to be like a mile away, you know. And she was like, oh, that's cool. You know, she had no idea what was going on. And then like two weeks later, she was like, dad, like, I, I really don't like this, you know. Like, can you just come back, you know? And I was like, no, I can't, you know. Like, the the realization of getting, the, like, I was getting a divorce for me was very, very traumatic and very, like, because your whole life, you know, for people who with goodwill and good intention, I think, getting married, their whole life is, is going to be founded on that relationship you know and their kids mm-hmm. lives are going to be found on that relationship and their future is found on that relationship you know so when i was going through when i got it was realizing that it's over like there's nothing else to do and there's no other avenue to take i mean i i, I feel like I, I exhausted every avenue and 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 it really does take two people so if one person in the church like just for the sake of this conversation never wants to get married okay believes wholeheartedly in marriage wants to you know <laughs> be married for the rest of their life and the other person doesn't or isn't there like there's nothing the one person can do you know so it is very traumatic it, it was like it was very like it was it was like there's a whole mourning process that needs to occur when people get divorced. <clears throat> um, for me, it was a mourning process of the life that I thought I would have, the life that I thought I would give my children, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the stability of, I mean, my kid, you know, like for my kids, like there's no way I ever wanted to give them a divorced family, you know? So, um, that experience for me was it, it's very much like a death. And there's this saying that I read recently where the, the plight of divorced people and, he, and, and I think in a, in a unique way, Catholic or Christian divorced people is, you know, when someone dies, when your spouse dies, people come and they bring you food and they like, they comfort you and they reach out to you, you know, but when you get divorced, people, don't know how to handle that <laughs> around you. They don't know how to handle that. They don't know, they don't know who to blame, you know, yeah. and, 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 and they don't know, like, you know, it's almost like the, the, the difficulty. So that was about five years ago now or six years ago now, it's 2016. It was about six years ago. Now I moved out of my house. Um, and it's a, it's a very unique cross, you know, I mean, it's a very unique cross in the Christian life. I think, I think that the, the reality is it's a unique cross. The, the reality is that there is spiritual value to be found because it's not, um, especially if, if one person is committed you know, if one person is trying to do the right thing, if one person is trying to be Catholic and raise a family, but the, 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 the marriage through no, you know, necessarily willful thought of their own disintegrates, it's, it's, it's an extremely difficult experience. And so, can I ask you some questions about that? Sure. So 
when one were you guys fighting a lot or was it just going your separate ways was it more silence more yelling more conflict more we're done and then when no. you got what was yeah. it for you no those are good questions um to me there was a lot of indifference okay, okay. not not on my part but on the other party's part to yeah. the to relationship there was i mean i slept on the couch for probably we were married quote unquote okay for eight and a half years we were together we have three children my joke now is we had sex like five times we have three kids you know <laughs> but <laughs> but that's not a that's that there's a point to be made there right <laughs> but yeah. mm-hmm. but reality is i slept on the couch a lot because i was never going to give up because i mean thankfully actually our catholic spirituality and, and our, 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 our faith gave me the strength in that situation for that long period of time where I, I knew that she was not on board and, and I, and I always wanted things to change and I'm not like blaming her, but we, we, we just never connected, you know, but I always found consolation in the cross. I really did. I found peace and consolation in the cross and, and peace in the fact that we were still married and that we, you know what, like I may be sleeping on the couch, but you know what? I come home every day to my kids, you know, and maybe there's hope that we're going to, that something will change and we're going to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. So we had a, we did not have a good relationship. We, there was a lot of hostility in the relationship, it was not we're going our separate ways because I was not going to go our separate ways. It was it was she's going her way, and there's really um, nothing you can do about it. I mean, there's nothing the other party can do about the situation. Where you know, which I think people need to understand is that in a divorce. In today's society, and like one person, it just takes one person. You know, marriage takes two people. If one of those people checks out, there's nothing the other person can do about it. And the other person can only suffer the consequences or, you know, bear with it, adapt to the situation, which is, I think, I think what I did, you know, I mean, I was not without fault. I'm not, I'm not a, I was not a saint, so to speak. I was not, you know, I, I, I got, angry during our relationship a lot. And I think, I mean, I think it was because of our relationship, you know, I got upset. Right. You know, but, um, what led to it was the, the definitive steps that the other party took to away from our relationship where it, where it made it where I couldn't live in my own house anymore because, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I couldn't live in the house anymore, and it was like uh, a hostile environment. So I had to move out of the house. Was it hostile because she was always yelling, or is just giving you like, is it a rudeness? Because the reason why I ask is because I know that a lot of people, there are different ways, different roads that lead to divorce, and a lot of people experience experience it differently. And so I just want you know, these kind of points. And I'm not asking you to go all confessional, but to allow that, like, 
you know this is not going forward. The ball is not going forward no matter what you've done, no matter how much you refuse to leave, and yet you, you're hanging on by a thread there in the house. What was it, what was it for you that led you to say, I'm, I, I, have to, I have to move out? I have to physically so, leave this place. Yeah, so, okay, I'll just be totally honest with you guys. So about a year, so as soon as we moved to Steubenville, and God, I hope, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is why. As soon as we moved to Steubenville, um, and about three years, two years later, I moved out of the house, okay? So as soon as we moved to Steubenville, she was on singles chat rooms, oh. okay? We went to counseling, and she was like, she was pregnant with our youngest son, and she was like, I don't want to be married anymore, you know? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, I just left my family um like what like and to me it was like i was like oh my gosh like and and i wasn't totally surprised guys i mean to be honest i i sensed it in this in the force you know (laughs) right (laughs) i it's not like i it's not like i was totally naive this could happen i really felt and i still to this day feel i don't regret making that move you know I mean, it's the land. They have murals there. Dean Martin's from there. You know, I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> a lot of things going for it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but so to me, it was like I was never going to get divorced. Okay. So uh, beginning of that year, it was about 2010-ish. I was, I had to travel for work and I went to Philly for work and I, and I came home and I, and I opened up a computer our computer and she was emailing other people, other men, you know? And it was like, Hey, my husband's out of town. Do you want to talk? You know? And that was like February. Okay. And that was, I mean, it was difficult. Okay. But I was like, and I had to talk with her like, Hey, Hey, I was like, Hey, Hey, this isn't compatible with marriage. You know, this is not compatible with marriage. You know, it's silly. Silly. Hey, 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 no, I mean like, but you know what? Like, right? Our faith. Like, I'm not gonna leave. Like, that's not a. That's not. A, mm-hmm. I can't leave. You know, that's not really a reason enough for me to leave. It's not that light. I didn't take it that lightly at all. You know, I wasn't gonna. I mean, I have three children. Like, I'm. I'm not gonna. This is. I'm not dating you. You know, yeah. we're married. You know. So, I mean, she was like, it took her a while, a couple weeks, and she was like. Okay, we'll take away the computer. And I'm like, I'm not taking away the computer. You need to you need to change your behavior, you know? So the writing was on I mean that's you're like, summer. You're like, I can't get rid of the computer. That's where I play Doom. Okay. Doom is saying you need to grow up. Yeah, I'm oh. gonna play Minecraft. Yeah. Right? But this is way before Minecraft. So we that summer we went on a family vacation with our kids and my family. Um, and, and my brother was there and she was there with our kids and she was just acting very like we're there. My parents are paying for this vacation. We're in another state, a warm state with, with Mickey mouse. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, Detroit, go on (laughs) Detroit. And, uh, so she was so like hostile to me. My brother came up to me and he was like, dude, like, what are you doing? He's like, you gotta just, you gotta get out of this, man. You know, and that was the first time that he said something to me like that. And my parents were, I mean, my parents, like my dad, okay, not a practicing Catholic, but, but 
But then again, right? Marriage is like not just a Catholic thing, right? Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a universal marriage, like natural law thing. My dad's a good dude. He's a, he's an old school, good dude. And he's like, no way in hell. He told me eight years ago before this, you made your bed, you got to lay in it, you know? And he said to me, and my brother said to me, he's like, dude, this is not good. And my daughter was about eight years old. And I started to think to myself, you know what? This might not be, there might not be anything more to fight for here. Okay. I mean, it might be, might become detrimental to my children because our relationship sucked and my daughter is eight years old and it's, it's, it's going to be hard to, (laughs) to avoid the reality of our relationship sucking. And if she's not in, you know, I mean, like, what am I going to do? So later that summer, um, again, uh, she was pursuing other relationships and, and it, it was like on her phone, she never texted, but it started to blow up on her phone. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is, I'm like, what's going on that we get all these text messages, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and then on the computer, all these kind of like proof, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm tempering a little bit for our audience here for Luke specifically but um (laughs) our fair enough (laughs) you know she was engaging in other relationships you know and i don't i don't know how deep those got but they definitely were in the virtual world okay and and the visual world and and pictures etc and it just became to the point where it was a hostile environment Mm -hmm. for me you know as a man as a father of my family to to live in this unrepentant situation you know where it was like and we had a conversation i said and i said i I just want to get separated and she was like well if you get separated i'm just going to divorce you you know it was just like so so i was like i moved out there was really nothing to hold on to anymore you know there was nothing it wasn't like no for god's sakes it was not she was rude to me you know it was eight freaking years of zero, you know, of limited signs that this other person was engaged in a level that would facilitate a healthy marriage, you know? And then, and then, and then, and then, you know, final proofs where it was like, okay, like can't do this anymore. So yeah. So I moved out. How was, uh, like, how did your, uh, Catholic community, if you had any, like, how did they respond uh, to that? Like, both in, um, in, uh, both the good and the bad, or, or, or like, like, was there like, you know, I'm good and bad stuff. So, um, so even when I was married, you know, like when we were in the situation, I remember going to a friend of ours house, and I said, "Dude, we got to pray," you know. And I think maybe I had a bad red. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know if they took it seriously, you know. Like, it was like, weren't like, I don't think, I don't know if people knew how to engage. Like, I remember, I remember saying, like, I, I, I knew it was, we had had, ba- we had a bad relationship and, and we needed to pray. And I never, dude, I never wanted to get divorced ever, you know? And then when I was getting divorced, um, you know, there was a local community which was supportive of it because to them, they were like, oh yeah, dude, obviously, you know? Right. Okay. They're able we, to see it. We, yeah. Well, they're like, we don't see any fault in that, you know, which, oh, okay, which, okay. which mm-hmm. you know, like, no, like they're like, oh, we see like, dude, we know like you're, 
your list is bad, you know. They got it. And and I think even now, like I, I find a little bit of criticism in that in retrospect, but it's not, not to their, it's like, and even to the point we'll come to, I think is, is that to them, it was, it was trying to line up who was at fault, you know, or, Oh yeah, we see what she did. You know, you're not at fault. Okay. Yeah. You know, you get divorced. And, and what happened was at that time we had this little lively little community and really in, in reality, what happened was that community, I don't think, so what, ha- what happened in practice is I, I had to work and I had to raise my children. And we had, one of the most important things to me was to have shared custody. Like I was not going to be an every other weekend dad. I was going to mm-hmm. be, I'm dad. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm there all the time. I'm very concerned with my children's lives. I'm very emotionally giving. And when I moved out, I wanted to make sure that remained legally. So it did. It did remain legally. But what would happen was I was just by myself. You know, I was by myself and I was raising my children in a town where I had no family. And I had a couple friends who, who, um, you know, realized that. And they would reach out like when I was by myself. One, one, one friend of mine with our, my kids sometimes, but I don't think what, so for me, it was, it was, it was a, a deep, you know, death of a life that I thought I was going to have. But it was also, I think spiritually, I was, I was, you know, emotionally very raw, very vulnerable. I got into a relationship with a girl I went to high school with long distance, um, who, uh, we had a lot in common. So it was a very, you know, she had a couple kids. She was a widow. It was a very kind of vulnerable relationship. You know, wasn't the most uh, Catholic relationship, you know, so to speak. But it was, mm-hmm. it was. But but here's here's the thing, though. It was, it was, it was good. It was, it was. She was very loving. Something that I did not have the experience of in my eight eight years with the kids' mom. Like she was very loving. And, uh, so that was about, um, a year or so, you know, and I realized like this, this isn't really ultimately what I want to settle down with. You know, she wasn't really very Catholic, you know, it wasn't, it was just like, we were just having a lot of fun together. Mm -hmm. We, we, Mm -hmm. we provided each other a lot of like, uh, emotional and like moral support, you know? And, uh, so, but the community experience for me was, just, you know, non-existent. I mean, uh, I, I don't think, I think a lot of my friends, I mean, I think when you get divorced and when you go through a, a very tragic event like divorce, you realize, I guess, who your friends are, you know? And mm-hmm. a lot of people that I, that were acquaintances and that I thought were friends, I think I realized not that they, not that, not through any fault of their own, but, but what I think what what divorced people need is people to reach out to them and to like offer a helping hand. Because back to my original point, getting going through a divorce is like a spouse dying, you know. But I mean, it's like a death. But when someone actually dies, like people come and they give you food and they like comfort you, you know. Mm-hmm. I think, and when you get divorced, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, like what 
what did you do wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they 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 distance themselves from you. Um, I mean, that was like five years ago, but I mean now <clears throat> at this point, I think that um, you know, I just don't think I don't I don't think people understand and now i'm like fine i'm like great i mean like it was in a lot of ways i mean we have an annulment okay i mean we have an annulment i don't think we never really had a good relationship i think that we're better apart from each other you know i'm not i'm not i'm just being honest like we Mm -hmm. we just at this point like we're like uh, it's a very, it's kind of a, a, like I've been trying to focus on just loving my children. My, ch- my kids are with me most of the time in Steubenville, just loving them. I mean, it's a very, it's kind of a difficult situation for them. My, my youngest son was in diapers when we got divorced. He two weeks ago said to me, he's eight years old now. Okay. So he was like two. He said to me two weeks ago, he said, dad, he's like, so the kid's mom got married last may and moved a couple hours away and so the kids you know the kids are with me now most in student well they're going to school they're doing all right but they're not they, she just like got married and moved away you know so it's kind of like we're all like just kind of dealing with this reality she she sees them uh every other weekend or so my youngest son said to me like last week he said dad he's like you know what i want He's like, why can't you and your mom? He said, why can't you and mom get married? He's like, I want you and mom to get married. He's like, he said to me, even if mom commits adultery, <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want you guys to get married. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, man. I'm like, you know, so <clears throat> number one, you're like, damn, you are well formed in the commandment. <laughs> yeah. And that freaking breaks my heart. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the point of, I guess, this conversation, I mean, the point of, I think I thought this conversation would be valuable is, I mean, there's a, there's a really specific spiritual value in suffering in our, in our Catholic, I mean, and, and, and people that are divorced in the United States, which are a lot of people, and a lot of people not through necessarily any fault of their own, not, not, I mean, they might not have been saints, but they, it's just a null, a nullable where mm-hmm. yeah. they get married because they like each other and they're sleeping together and they're living together and they get married, you know, or they, they, you know, and then they, and then they get divorced and their life becomes much more complicated. They're alone, you know, they're, they're, they don't feel like they fit in. You know, in, in Steubenville, it's 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 specifically a unique, a unique annoyance. Is is that it's like a blessed annoyance, right? I think I just made that. I coined that term. Maybe <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> hashtag where hashtag blessed annoyance. <laughs> where there's all these really cool, like great Catholic families who I love. Like I, these people are awesome, but I don't have any real like. I don't. I'm not I, like. They have really cool people I get along with when I see them. We, we, we shoot the shit, you know. But to me, it's like I go home by myself to raising my three kids by myself. They have their, like, awesome Catholic families who I honestly, like, I think they're great. But they, And they get together with all the other kind of nuclear Catholic families uh. in, in, in Steubenville. 
And like, I'm like, um, you know, like, and the reality is this wives get to get wives, make the connections. Okay. Yep. Like, and I'm yep. not trying to be sexist here, but the, the women make the connections, the women get the kids together. And my kids have been for the past five, six years. And even when we started living sooner, their mom was never very social. My kids have been basically without that. Like it, 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 like I explained it recently to a school counselor, my middle son, I'm trying, I'm getting counseling just to, I mean, they're doing great, honestly. Like I'm, I'm very like, they're great kids, but they're just, you know, I mean, they, they don't have, this is where I said, they don't have a lot of social equity. I mean, and the tragic part to me is that when we live, when we have the church and we live in a cat, like I'm Catholic, <laughs> like, like guys. Hey guys, like I'm, I, I, I'm a believing Catholic person. I want to be a saint. I really do. Like I, I want to be a saint. I want to follow Jesus. I'm in this life situation now where I'm single dad who's got to work and who's got to like take care of these children and um, all these other really great Catholic people. I, I, I mean, the reality is this, like, and I'm not judging anyone else because I've like, I think I've gone through that. It's, it was hard for me to, to, pro, to like, I think like the feeling of rejection, the feeling of like, the feeling of rejection is very, very deep. When, when, when one who's a faithful Catholic goes through a divorce, you feel rejected, you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel, um, you know, like deep, like suffering. And you feel like misunderstood and you feel judged, you know, and I'm not, I'm not even like saying people are necessarily doing that, right. but the that's way the, I feel. Yeah. That's the hardest part is because, you know, they're just doing their thing. They're doing the married couple thing. The, the wives are doing the arranging of the kids and the, the, this yes. and the, that the husbands are there to drink beer and stand out yes. by the grill and make comments. And, you know, or, or maybe there's a, a parent dinner or whatever it is. And you're like, I'm on my own. I got to figure out how to go to these events for one kid while having two kids at home. What do I do with these two kids? You know, you're on, you're on your own. You're so, you know, you might be very self-sufficient and organized, but you can't be in 10 places at once. You know, you just want the best for your kids. And it's not like any of them don't want you around. It's just that they don't make that connection and their wives aren't because you're the husband, you're the man you know, or whatever. <clears throat> right. Yeah. No, I and know. that's, yeah. no, it's, it's, and the reason I guess I wanted to talk about, and I try to talk about this. I try to mention this when I, when I talk to people, our Catholic friends, anyone who will listen and it's not even for myself at all at this point. <laughs> like I'm like, um, but it's, it's like people who were divorced or are single parents, even people who let's say they're just single parents. Let's say they just yeah. slept with someone one time, you know, like which happens, right? You, 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 like you, yeah. you have sex and it leads to children. Okay. It, it, it can happen. You know, people, people are not, uh, the world – this is why I love – I, I really do love Pope Francis. I do. With all his – with all his – all the misunderstanding he throws in the church – or no, the misunderstanding in my perception that he causes to people who 
just their minds explode when they don't have a pope who's just preaching to the choir and like reaffirming Catholic teaching, which we mm-hmm. all know. He's not like going in my view. He's not like going against that. He's just preaching a different, a little different avenue. Okay, so um, for me in this situation, I think, and, I'm, and I, I don't necessarily want to go on that segue just yet, but but I I, I understand what he's doing, and the re- and, and you know what I meet I meet a lot of like I have a very diverse family. And very diverse, like great people, uh, cousins. You know, I have a cousin who's gay. I have a cousin. I have like cousins. Like we weren't. We're just regular people who are just going through the world, right? And uh, um, my cousin, who is a woman, is a woman who is gay and has a girlfriend. I went to a wedding out in California a couple years ago, and I was talking to her girlfriend. And I was just sitting, I was just talking to her. You know why? Because she's a human being and we're all sinners, you know, and we're all broken. We're all broken, you know, and like we're all really radically equal. Okay. So her living in that, like, it's like, so we were talking and she was saying to me how impressed she was by Pope Francis. And, and we just had a great conversation. I said, yeah, he's awesome. I mean, cause, and I said, cause we're all, we're all sinners and we all need a savior, you know, and we're all in these unique situations. So anyway, that's a little segue, but my point is when I'm living in this situation, um, it's, it's hard even now guys. And I'll be honest with you. Like I see guys who I like in, in Steubenville. There's a lot of really cool people who live in Steubenville who I like, and I wish I was closer to. And, and I just, I can't crack the barrier. You know, I can't, like I'm not invited to dinner, you know, I'm not, uh, my kids aren't invited to their kids' houses, you know, like my, Ugh. like, because, you know, like it's fucking crazy. Like it fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like it, it's difficult, but I'm not like, I'm not like, I mean, like it's a cross, like it's just reality of the Christian life, you know, but, it, but the point I'm trying to make is that like, I, I, I met this, uh, widow, <clears throat> And, uh, in Steubenville, you know, she's, she's becoming a friend of mine and you know why she's becoming a friend of mine? Cause I realized that she's in a similar situation, yeah. you know, I mean, ev- but everyone, but she's an awesome woman, awesome woman. Her husband died about 10 years ago. She's got a, bu- a couple kids. She's got, you know, a bunch of kids and everyone loves her and they, 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 they reach out to her, but, but she is still excluded obviously from the social network. But the interesting nuance is that people, um, acknowledge, um, which they should, but they, they like acknowledge, Oh, we need to help this person out. But it like people who are divorced or single parents, even naturally, or even like, you know, regular situations like Pope Francis talks about, like, do not get, they do not get the same level of, they don't get reached out to. They don't get, like, mercy. They don't get, like, invited over for dinner, you know. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even, even her, like, now, I mean, like, it's just people in a regular situation. It's like yeah. the church, the church thing where everyone who's super Catholic, they hang out with everyone else who's super Catholic. Yeah. And they, they have their families and they keep them very safe, you know. 
And to me, that is, that is something that Pope Francis is talking about with, um, you know, our church, the church is not supposed to be real, you know, super safe and super secure. And I'm not, no, I think, I think the big thing that we don't, that me and Luke talk about a lot is we, and we just spent the last episode on it, but we don't know how to do community anymore. Like being with other people doesn't come natural. Being with my iPhone comes natural. Being with Netflix comes natural. Like that's the new natural, right? Where we sit down and we put the kids to bed and we just veg out or, or I'm alone as a, a young adult. And what do I do? Well, I go to work and then I come home and I maybe grab a bite to eat on my way home. And then I chill out in my apartment. I got a lot of people that are friends of mine who are single young adults living in the woodlands or living in Houston. And they, they live this very, very isolated life unless they're at a bar or a, you know, a type of typical young adult type thing. And they are missing out. Number one, they don't want all their married friends <laughs> to be their only friends. But at the same time, married friends drop off the face of their social radar because their their life situation is different. And I hear that you're coming from a lot of that same uh, or a similar background where it's like, okay, my life situation isn't the same as you. You might in the back of your mind not want to invite me because you're predicating some sort of guilt or maybe I wasn't good enough husband or whatever it was. You just don't because people who aren't divorced or someone like me who is with people and counseling people and working with people in the middle of either getting divorced or they've been divorced for a year and they're they're just coming through that denial stage and now they're like super grieving that other people don't, we don't know how to do community. So we only stick with people that are exactly like us. And those are the people that we reach out to talk to love, consider Facebook chat, whatever it is. And that's part, I think of this, this missional understanding of our church. It's like, if we were more missionary, the most important thing that we would do is look, be on the lookout for people on those margins. So married couples be on the lookout for people who are young adults who are living alone. Like I had this one girl who just came into RCIA and I said to her, Oh my gosh, you never get a home cooked meal. Do you? And she's like, I haven't eaten anything that hasn't been microwaved in a month <laughs> or like bought at a restaurant, you know? And it's these things like that, that because we don't know how to be community to the person down the street, your kids may be, you know, suffering. You call it social equity. I think that's a great way to look at it. Like, People don't know how to go outside of their comfortable selves in order to build mm-hmm. that. So, well, and I, I think like one thing too is that when we want to do a community, we, we want to attach some type of uh, outcome or a string. Like I'm going to hang out with with you in order to uh, produce this, which is either like a safe environment or something that feels like. So, like when. Like, I honestly enjoy hanging out over, um, over at, like, at Emily and Brian's house, who is my sister and her husband, because there's going to be, like, a gay couple and, like, and, like, uber, like, liberal girl and, like, people in between, you know, and it's just kind of, like, it's a little bit, like, more like, yeah, like, this is what the world's like right, right now. And, and I just, and I just think, like, like so often it's just so easy to say, well, I'm going to invite these people over because I know what I'm going, well, I know what I'm going to get out of like, out of like, out of, um, out of this. And, 
I, and at times, I just like really wonder, as Catholics, are we trying to serve people honestly? Are we, tr- are we trying to come from God and be f- and be like for others, or are we trying to be for others who make me feel comfortable, you know, and who can like reaffirm the things that I that I like want to see? I feel like this is the exact modern twist to the classic saying of Jesus where he says, when you throw a banquet and have people over, don't invite the rich and the wealthy and those who can pay you back, but rather go out in the streets and invite the poor, the lame, the crippled who cannot pay you back. Right. You know, and you think about that and like our modern day thing is, okay, we, we don't see on the side of the street, on the side of the road, just all the poor and the lame like they did in the, in the ancient world, you know? Um, but what we do have in our communities is exactly this, is the isolated young adult, the single parent home, the divorcee, the, the widow, all of these people, they still exist and their kids are in our Boy Scout troops and Girl Scout this and that. But we need, because I don't think you have the time to, inv- have you invited people over to your house? Who, have me? You re- yeah. Yeah, no, not Luke. That's not great, Luke. Luke, no, that's, Luke doesn't that's invite actually, people over. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, it's been a, no, I mean, I haven't. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'll be honest. Like, where I'm at now in my spiritual life and in my life with God, I think where he wants to lead me is that I need to, like, I realize now this has been, this is also always a great learning experience, like, for myself. Like, I'm not in a position to judge any, but any of these people, I'm just talking about the reality of the experience yeah. and like the works of mercy in my own life. And, and, and even something I've been thinking about recently, the past few weeks or the past couple months <laughs> is what makes me a Christian. Okay. Is it what I think? No, it's not what I think. It's not, it's not what I think. It's not my political views. It's what I do. Okay. It's what I do with life. I mean that, you know, so something that I'm trying to do is like, okay, like, no, but, but, but is to like do works of mercy is to think about these marginalized people is to take care of the elderly is to visit the handy, severely handicapped people who are isolated. You know, it's given me actually, thank God, you know, like a great, uh, a more heightened sensitivity to people who are isolated, yeah. um, you know, on the peripheries I mean, like and the margins. on the peripheries and the margins, people who are just uh, forgotten about, you know, but no, to your, to your, to your great point is I have not invited people over my house because, and, 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 and that is a, you know, I mean, like uh, for better or worse, I, I've just never thought anyone would want to come to my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to feel that sense of confidence and that sense of, uh, hospitality when I'm just like running around trying to take care of my kids. My house is somewhat a mess, you know, most of the time it's in, it's in a borderline state of chaos. And I, and I, and I, and I do not think of, I'm inviting people to my house, but that, but that is a great point. You know, and I think like some of my friends in Steubenville, somewhat like, were like, Oh dude, well you didn't have us over your house. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, it, <laughs> like I don't have me, backup, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like to me, it's like, okay, your point is well taken, but 
and this is the only reason I'm talking about this now is, is for other people's sake, I think people need to realize how tragic of an event, how difficult it is to be like a single parent suddenly, or, you know, like, and, 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 you know, it's even different, like, God bless the friends you have that'll tell you the freaking truth. You know, God, those are the real freaking friends, man. I mean, the real friends are the friends who will tell you you're being a freaking dipshit or you're being you're pitying yourself. Shut the F up, you know, like <laughs> you can say front door, shut <laughs> that front door, shut front door. Yeah. like those guys, those are the real friends, man. And, you know, I mean, like I, I have like a couple of them and thank God, like praise be to God. Like I have a couple friends who will tell me the truth and who will be my friends. Like, and I've, and, and this, this one saying I have now with another buddy of ours, um, is like 99%, you know, friendship is like 99% loyalty to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is loyalty and it is, it is, it is getting messy and it is, it is, it is, I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm going to be your friend. You're going to act like a dipshit. I'm going to tell you you're a dipshit and I'm going to be your friend. If you act like a dipshit and I say, see you later. Well, I wasn't really your friend, you know, like <laughs> I'm sure in the past five years, I've acted like, like a self-pitying wounded dipshit. You know why? Because I was wounded, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like self-pitying, not even like intentionally, but, um, I, the whole point of, I think this conversation is like, where do we go from here? What do I learn spiritually? And I, and I, and I'll be honest, like, I am thankful that I, if I get the first opportunity yet, I get, I'm moving away from all the super Catholic people. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Because, <laughs> because I don't, what am I, I don't need to hang out with people who just make me feel better about being Catholic. I mean, it's awesome. It's great. Sometimes it's cool to get that little affirmation sometimes, but I just want to hang out with people who are real, who are genuine, who were like wounded who were just human beings. And, and you know what? Like everyone in the world has a different past, like, like a different history, you know, a different perspective. And I believe wholeheartedly a hundred percent that the crux of what makes us Catholic is the belief is the reality and then I was explaining this to some cousins of mine this summer when we were talking about like some human life issues came up and it was taught with their, you know, I was at a wedding in California and they were talking about um, being pro-choice or, or, you know, uh, in vitro fertilization or all these sticky issues. And it's not enough to say that, oh, those are wrong, <laughs> you know, or those are it, you know what it all comes down to is the, the belief that that God exists and that Jesus Christ is God and that our human dignity comes from that that reality. You know, like we – it comes down to the belief in human dignity. Well, I feel like number one – he needs to get his shit together. Invite you over for dinner, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> please edit that part out. Edit that I, part will, out. I will. I will. I will. No, those what guys are all. 
I mean, they're like my friends. They here's the thing. They have their families going on. They have their families. They have their situations. I'm in this town. I have no family. I'm not blaming them. They have like their families. They have their shit. Everyone has their own shit. You know, everyone has their own crosses. Everyone has their own shit to take care of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Best part about community <laughs> is that you can shit together. <laughs> like, you have that stuff together. Like when I, okay. So uh, this is all being edited out. You never fucking edit this shit out. Like, I am. I am. I, am. I, didn't, I didn't mention anybody's names. <laughs> right, right, right. No, none of this is going in. None of this we name going. names here on Catching Foxes. <laughs> you, Joey Ruth. <laughs> it, it, it's so weird. It's like we can only hang together in the context of fun things or... Yep. Or nothing. Yeah. You know, I, and it's well, only individually. So, yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to listen. Yeah. My wife, my life fucking fell apart. My life fell apart. Okay. And no one, like, no one, like, calls me up, dude, and says, like, how you doing? <laughs> you know, like, they don't, they don't fucking call me, you know? And that to me is the biggest crock of shit, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, and I'll be, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not, thank God, my faith is not dependent on other people. It's not dependent on some youth minister that was nice to me, and that's why I'm faithful, you know, at all. It's dependent on Jesus Christ and the cross and, like, the reality of the church and suffering. But, like, <laughs> like dude, I'm, I'm be honest with you. No one fucking calls me up and says, how are you doing? There's a couple guys. Mike Spire. The most faithful fucking dude. <laughs> like, old, old faithful. Old faithful. Old faithful. Dude, you know? And like, and like people are like, why? Like I'm friends with some peripheral dudes who were, yeah. have shit, like messy lives. You know why I'm friends with them? You know why I call them up? Because they need to be called. Like they have messy lives. Like, yeah. you know, okay. Like we have fr- friends who have been through some serious shit. Like I have fam. I am close to friends with my liberal cousins <laughs> yeah. than I am like who, you know why? Back to your original point. Cause they give a shit about my fucking life. They give a yeah. shit about my life. And this is like a conversation. I went to see the Jim Gaffigan show with friends of ours that we both know, Bob and Kate, who are my friends till death. Yeah. They really are. They're good. They're, they're my friends. And the, but there's, you know, they have, they have a bunch of kids. They have a lot of shit going on, you know. We went to, and I was on the way home, I was talking to Kate, who's always been my friend since we were at school. Yeah. And I was really, I, I was, I was, and I remember we were talking about, you know what is friendship? Someone who gives a shit about your life, you know, who cares about your life. It doesn't matter if they're, if they proclaim everything that you proclaim. It doesn't matter if they believe every tenant of the church. It matters first and foremost if they care about your life and you as a person, as a human being. Well, and, and like here's one of the crazy parts that like is just really hitting me is that like you're experiencing the cross in a beautiful way that that a lot of people proclaim that they want or they are willing to do. Yeah, people from a very comfortable 
consoled position. Yeah, say, oh, it's like, just the cross is mm-hmm. everything. And then you embrace the cross and you're like, oh, <laughs> shit, it's just what it is. <laughs> like, they're all Peter. Well, you know, like, like when push, when push it comes to shove, it's like, oh, oh no, I, I mean, not that. But and but and like here's the other part that just like drives me up a wall after like hearing you know everything is that like you've done nothing wrong in the sense of like you like your marriage was annulled. That's not. I mean, it's it's like a really tough. It's it's, it's a really hard thing. And like, please uh, correct me on this if like you know you think that I, I'm wrong about this. But I would not say that it's like. A bad thing in the sense that, like, like, like it was, it was just a, it was a, it's a statement on a pre, on a pre-existing a reality that you didn't have like a valid marriage because of all these other things that, like, you know, you shouldn't be punished because of that. But even if I did something wrong, yeah, okay, yep. Even if, even if I, even if I was a freaking dipshit, even if I was like. Like, like Jesus Christ tells us to visit the prisoners in prison. Okay. He tell he doesn't a- say, ask them if they did something wrong. Ask them he if they're all say, innocent. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. say like, oh, like you didn't do anything wrong. Therefore I can be your friend, you know, like, and you know what? I'll be honest today. I went to a funeral of my great uncle. <laughs> like it was all, it worked out perfectly. I came to Philly. My kids are with their mom. And I, I like my uncle passed away this past week. My great uncle, like my, it was like my bro, my, my grandfather's uncle. It's really complicated, but, um, <laughs> I, I saw this guy once a year and I was today at the funeral and, and all I kept thinking when we're at mass and most of the people at mass are not pra- all of the people, except for my mom and me, I think are like, not, they're not practicing Catholics, you know? And that's, and what, you know, like, unfortunately they're not. And but, but what I kept thinking while we're at mass is Jesus Christ with his arms open on the cross is the original judgment free zone. He's the judgment free zone. Okay. Like people need to realize like, and I, and, and I, and I felt the sense that maybe like the people I was with felt a little uncomfortable, you know, like they just don't know how to feel at mass. Like, are they, are they, are they being judged? Are they, you know, they can't go to communion all this other things like they're not going to get, you know, but Jesus is the original judgment free zone. And like, this is one of the points that I kind of want to discuss with you guys that came up with the, with the, with the Pope's encyclical in May, which I loved. And then I dropped off Facebook because with the election and the Pope's encyclical amongst our (laughs) friends, amongst all our friends, it was like, I'm out. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to hear these schismatic, like borderline schismatic Catholics, like undermine, like I'm, they, they're like, you know, I'm like, I'm out, I'm out of here, you know. So, but the thing that I understand, I feel like I understand. It's it's clear to me is is the that one law, and the way I explain this to my cousins today, who are not cat, practicing Catholic at all, I love them to death. They're awesome people. Love them. They're super, like, you know, liberal in the good sense. I mean, I, I feel like to be Catholic, you have to be liberal in a – like, these political parties have no ownership on any of this mm-hmm. stuff. Any of the morals mm-hmm. that they proclaim, they have no ownership on it whatsoever. All these good morals 
all these like care for the poor, care for the immigrant, care for human life, anti-war. Okay. Like, I, I feel like to me, that's all like, okay, Catholic. Okay. That's like Jesus. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> my point is the, before Morris Latete came out and I hope I'm saying that right. Gilmer, am I saying that correctly? Morris Latete. Nailed it. All yeah, right. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> close enough. You Luke carried it. You're fine. I mean, Luke, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. So, um, I was playing poker with some, uh, student little friends of mine. It was the last time I really got out on a, like with any of these older, like men's group guys. We, a few of us were playing poker and they were talking about the prohibition of communion for divorced and remarried Catholics. And they were talking about the like, Oh, I don't know. You know? And I'm like, look, I'm like, listen, like, <laughs> like, I'll be honest, like the Pope got it. Pope has it right. I mean, like people, that is the only group that I can think of that is explicitly in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the, in the, in the world of comfortable Catholics excluded from communion like right. you can be a murderer you can be a- in jail you can be you can have done all these things gone to confession repented of life on the right path to jesus receive communion which i think jesus would give you jesus is like here i am here for you i'm welcoming you i'm bringing you into the kingdom except for divorce and remarried catholics without an annulment uh, and then like people in the comfortable in my view, in the comfortable church are like, Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, to me, it's like, are you like, <laughs> are you in a, like, if you look at it, let's say somebody got married and then they got divorced and then they got remarried and then they found, then they want to join the church and they want to come to Jesus, but they can't for like, they can't for some reason get their marriage annulled or whatever. Okay for various reasons. I don't, I don't know all the various reasons. Okay. Do you think Jesus is saying to them, you can't, to me, it's like the only reason you can't receive communion is if you're in state of mortal sin. Okay. And you're in a knowledgeable state of mortal sin. And we, if, if someone is divorced and remarried and wants to enter the church and wants to receive communion to me, they're, obviously on a path towards Jesus. And if they're in a impossible, which logistically an impossible situation where I don't know, for whatever reason, they can't get their marriage annulled. Um, you know, the guys, the guys I was talking to who were in very comfortable, like good marriages, they're very Catholic. They're like, Oh, well, you know, they should just live as brother and sister. They should just, <laughs> you know, for the rest of their lives of their brother and sister. Like to me, that is, there's a little bit of, um, uh, misunderstanding there. There's a little bit of like the letter of the law as opposed to spirit of the law there. There's a little bit of what I, from what I understand what the Pope's approach is, is each priest must like approach this pastorally and, and discern whether or not the person is in a state of like mortal sin, you know? So I don't know if I don't know if bringing that up is if you guys even want to talk about oh, that. No. But, but I love it. I I think the biggest the biggest aspect because I run the RCI program at my church, and I, I've said before in this program, the hardest conversations I have in my job is not 
the guy who comes to me and says, I'm a porn addict and I've uh, cheated on my wife with hiring call girls. The hardest conversation, I do that all the time, no problem. Uh, the hardest conversation I have is someone who says they want to become Catholic and I say, do you have any previous marriages? <laughs> oh, please be kidding. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's water. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, oh no. Water. We could. Oh, I'm just going to yeah. laugh so. I was like, oh, please be. <laughs> That'd be so I awesome. I put it on the before, but go ahead. Continue. <laughs> this is like my favorite awesome. episode we've done so far. <laughs> nice. nice. But the, no, I beat twice. <laughs> I have, I've had four Michelob Ultras and those really tall skinny beers, and I've beat twice. Um, I turn my headphone volume up really loud, and I leave both doors open. Hoping I've, my mom I'm on my in. fourth drink that I've like, you know, like quietly gone to the fridge, gotten something, come back. Sorry. Anyways, go on, Gormley. A person that I know says it often that divorce and remarriage is the only unpardonable sin in the Catholic Church. And he works with married couples and divorce and remarried couples all the time. And one of his big points is always, why is it that we can let a murderer receive Holy Communion, but we can't let a divorce and remarried person receive Holy Communion? And the notion, obviously, I mean, we know why. The, the why is marriage is permanent. And because marriage is permanent, which comes from the lips of our Lord himself, when someone gets divorced and then remarried, every act of sex that they have with this remarried person outside the church is an act of adultery, right? So it's not that it's an unpardonable sin. It's that now every act of sex is in a, you know, if the marriage was not annulled or whatever, is an act of adultery. The problem then, so I've said that line so many times, what you need to learn, you need to live as brother and sister. I'll tell you what's funny though, is I, uh, telling people they need to live as brother and sister. If you want to receive Holy communion, you got to live as brother and sister. You should still live as brother and sister, but you should also apply for an annulment. And they're like, no, my husband, he'll never apply for an annulment. He doesn't want to go back there. He doesn't want to go through all this stuff. And I said, I understand but you're going to have to refrain from sex. You tell him that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that he's yeah, like, right. he's already filled out the paperwork. It took and that's really good for their marriage too, isn't it? That's really good for their marriage too, isn't it? Right. Refraining right. from sex. Right. Yeah. That's good for the marriage. Right. Right. And Sarcastic. so you work with it. Right. No, absolutely. So, and you know, that actually was not a teaching of the church. The teaching of the church was those two must separate. And now with, with familiaris consortio, the, the idea is, where Pope JP2 said, well, they don't have to separate because what if they have kids together? What have they been doing this for 20 years and their previous marriage was 30 <clears throat> years ago, like a case I, I have right now? What do you do in that case? You just simply say, well, your original marriage when you were you know, 21 years old and blah, 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 that's totally legit, even though one of you never intended a lifelong marriage. You, know, you have all these issues. You have all these issues working it. But the, the biggest thing that I've encountered with this all, with all of this, is the, the biggest struggle for me. Now, I accept the church's teaching, and I work with people who are, who are living this way. My biggest thing is that, my, that, that this individual said was, in the Roman Empire, divorce was allowed. Women could get divorced from men. It wasn't just men from women, which was unique in the ancient world. So let's say there were people who had two or three marriages, and, they could, and then Paul came to Rome, and Paul came to Rome and preached Christ. Do you think that Paul would have been like, sorry, you already have two or three marriages. You have to go back to that first guy. 
No. You have to divorce. You know, and no. this is this is the issue that I I think we are missing. Now, if marriage isn't permanent, then it's not a marriage. Right? It's exactly. not Christian marriage. Christian marriage right. is conceived of as permanent. That's right. why annulments exist because if there is a defect <laughs> of that, it says no, this is this is null. This is not this is not a thing. Which is why we've had two episodes of our famous show uh, what is Pope Francis saying now with a canon lawyer who talks, and it's always about marriage. Uh, we talk about this stuff, which is why Cardinal Burke in Philly is is trying to get Pope. He's not challenging the Pope. He's asking, he, these are my four big questions. I need you to clarify this, you know, in terms of Amoris and, and some of the Argentinian bishops. But I think overall, overall, like we're not going to change church teaching anytime soon. I think overall what we need to actively do, especially if we're married, whether or not we have kids, is we need to realize that those who are divorced, like my friend who I wanted to have on this show, those who are divorced are often done so against their will. And even if it wasn't against their will, it still is severely painful. And on top of it all, they have kids. They have a life. They want human community, too. If we don't step up and invite them and invest in them, rather than just being awkward and, and not doing that, if we don't do it, we are not accompanying our friends. We're not building authentic Christian community because it has to cost us, even if that's a little bit of awkwardness, even if, you know, like, oh, no, they're divorced. I'm a comfortable Catholic. We, it has to cost us that comfortableness, that, that Catholic bubble. We have to let it burst because if we don't, then we are honestly end up saying the world is more loving than the church. And that's yep. going to drive people continually away from it. Like you're experiencing with your friends. Well, let me, let me just, so another point, and I, you know, the doctrinal point, I just think that, yeah, I just, I'm more on the line of, of like, uh, you know, communion is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really, really hard to scientifically prove that someone's in a state of mortal sin back based on some previous marriage where they might not have been, you know, uh, fully aware or fully known. Annulment is really a statement of a pre-existing condition as well. Right. Okay. Declaration. So, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, I think that, uh, yeah, communion should be Jesus Christ is there to accept people and to heal people, you know? I mean, like Jesus Christ is God of the universe. You know, the, 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 this 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 law, I think, with the with the lowercase l, I would say, to your original point of Saint Paul, you know, is it's a church law currently that that needs to be further, like, kind of explored and fleshed out. That's my view. But to your point about the world, there's many times that I've thought. It would be so much easier for me to live not in a place like Steubenville, to be in a place where being divorced wouldn't be like people would be like, oh, man, come on over, you know, come on over, dude, bring your kids, you know, like, come on, you know, like, you're fine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go out. You know, let's go. You, you know, you want to date somebody? Go ahead. Like, date them, you know, like now I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I have guys who won't people don't set me up with anybody. They don't like. I've literally had people in Steubenville say, I'm not going to give you this person's number, like this girl's number. 
his wife was like, oh, I want to set you up with this girl. And the guy, the husband was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I just, I wanted to punch him in the face. Oh, I'm like, yeah. are you like, are you, who are you, dude? You know me? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like you don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Like, why, why? Because I, I've had some, I haven't been like, like what? Like, because the past five years haven't been like, I haven't been like noticeably like in the adoration chapel for, for three, three sixty five, you know? But like, yeah, I mean the cross, I mean, it's not, I have no abnormal cross to anybody else in the sense of, uh, to your point, if, you know, people realize the cross, realize the call to works of mercy, you know, realize, um, that we need to reach out to the marginalized in society and we need to not, the thing I love about Pope Francis is that he's calling, he's appealing to the rest of the world. I mean, that, that's what I think is the wisdom of Pope Francis is that he doesn't, do we really need a Pope who's going to preach to the choir? Who's going to tell us stuff we already know all the time that we're right. Right. I mean, do we, do we really need a Pope who's going to say all the things that we know are true or do we need a Pope, which I think Pope Francis is right now, who's saying to the rest of the world, Hey, everybody, like we're all sinners. Like Jesus is here. Jesus loves you. Like Jesus is accepting of you. Jesus wants you to come in. You know, Jesus is the judgment free zone, you know? I mean, like the, the, the point, the, the, the thing that drives me crazy about our political discussions today is that one side thinks they're morally superior to the other side. You know, the left thinks they're more superior to the right. The right thinks they're more superior to the left, you know, because of this point, the left thinks more because of this point, it's like, uh, guys, Hey, wait a second. Maybe, maybe the origin of all this morality is not these stupid political parties who are using it for power. Maybe the origin of all this morality is Jesus, you know, Maybe, maybe the origin of the, all this morality is God, you know, maybe like we all just need to love the heck out of each other and like, like go out and reach out to people and like, you know, whether people are in their regular situations, like I have priest friends of mine and, and I'm sure you guys deal with this. People are living together and they're getting married. And my buddy, a friend of ours who is a priest now has really quote unquote liberalized on this very much where he realizes that you got to meet people where they are. And you know what? They might be living together. Now you talk to, you introduce to them the reality of Jesus. They get married. You know, they're getting married. They want to do good. They want to live together. They want to have a good life. They want to raise a family, you know, like Jesus is there to help, to help you, you know, like to, 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 to be the fullness of, of, of what you're seeking, not to look at your past and say, Oh, you were living with this person or, Oh, you did this or, Oh, you got divorced or, Oh, you did this, you know? And then the problem I have with that doctrine right now, and it's not even like a doctrine. It's like a, it's like a church law that is trying to kind of like meld all these doctrines together, like the sanctity of the Eucharist, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life, you know, is that, is that, does Jesus really look at everyone's past and say, Oh, you know what? You got to get this. You can't, you can't come in because you got divorced 15 years ago. You know, if, um, 
if you could say anything to um, a person who is where, you know, who's in the spot that you're in eight, like eight years ago, what would that be? That, that God is always, God understands suffering, you know? I mean, a great consolation for me has always been the cross and the fact that our God is not judging us. You know, he's not like Buddha who's smiling or like, you got to have a perfect life, you know? So what I would say to someone who's in a difficult marriage or a marriage that is going to fail or a marriage that is failing or a marriage that has failed is that, you know, our ultimate, our true calling as human beings is closeness with God and this path you're on, like this path I'm on, this path people are on, is is meant to bring them closer to God, you know, and bring them deeper into a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, especially with their kids, you know, the thing with the kids has been the most difficult part, like how to deal with our kids, you know. But I think that if you love your kids, if you tell your kids, if, if your kids know that you love them and you put them as a priority, because kids deserve there's a great, a great, obviously, richness of the Catholic faith is our our our, our understanding of marriage and f- the family and and then the rights of children to have a mother and a father. If kids know, if your kids know that you put them as a priority in their in in your life, and that you will always lay down your life for them, I think they will be, you know, they're going to be okay. I mean, they're going to you know, they're going to be fine. You know, I think that the, the, the part where kids get really hurt in divorce mostly is where kids is where parents get divorced and seek their lives, other, you know, seek another life, you know, I mean, and that's been a temptation for me. And I'm sorry, this, I know this conversation, you guys can edit this. This conversation has been pretty long, but a temptation for me, when I got divorced and when you get divorced is you have all these friends who are like, Oh dude, go out and date, you know, this girl's hot or this girl's hot, you know, or go out and date this girl. Or like I work in, I work in the world. I work in business right now, you know, and I have regular people who I'm friends with in, in Pittsburgh and I, and I love it. It's great. And like, um, you know, good intention people are like, dude, just go out and like, just have fun, you know? And a, uh, a decision point for me along the way has been needing to choose to be a dad for, you know, like to be a dad first. I mean, like, I really can't, I really can't compromise that. I mean, I need to be a dad. I need to, I need to love my children primarily. And like, um, God willing, if I, if I, if I meet a wife, which I'm looking for, (laughs) but, but I'm not, I, it's like, I can't like actively look for a wife because I have to, I have to work and I have to raise my children, you know? And like, um, you know, it's, it's a hard, like, you know, like all these Catholic buddies of mine are like, Oh dude, like you got to date this girl, man. She's hot. And I'm like, well, like, are you thinking through this? I mean, do you really date a girl? Do you really, are you looking for someone who's just hot? That's really not what you're looking for. 
You're looking for mm-hmm. a wife. You're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with. You know? eh, some people are. <laughs> I'm just looking for the hotness. I'm looking for someone that makes me look good. I'm trying to find that hotline bling. <laughs> so, so you can do an awkward dance, Luke, the whole time? Yeah, yeah. And then the dab, which I just found out is a thing. So, sorry, anyways. Uh, go on. No, so I think I think people need to reach out to each other. I mean, like something I'm trying to do, I mean, something that I think people need to do is <clears throat> just reach out, I mean, reach out to people cuz you know, and like have try to build that community, that awkward community. I mean, like we have some friends of ours who have like those family dinners, right? <laughs> who yep. or who have ministries where they minister to inner city kids. And I'm friends with those people who have ministered to the city kids, and I remember I felt this like I felt this like one of the people I was talking to who who heads up minister and minister kids I said to them one time I said you know like single parents need love too you know like <laughs> I mean like people that are divorced need love too you know and that's not that's not to diminish inner, like seeking out inner city kids it's just to realize the reality of uh breaking down just breaking down barriers you know and breaking down like for all our all our super catholic friends who have great families is like just invite the single mom invite the single dad over you know they're not gonna i'm not gonna try to steal your wife i swear you know (laughs) like they're they're i mean i mean like yeah they're i swear i feel like i'm i feel like i'm not invited over because guys feel insecure because I'm divorced and I'll be around their wife. It's like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to try to steal your wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that people need to just embrace the cross. I mean, like yeah. turn to Jesus, like pray, you know, find, find, uh, find their peace and solace and that find, seek out real friendships. I mean, if all those, if all the, if all the uh, apparent friendships melt away, just seek out real friendships, you know. Uh, la- last question. I think we should probably wrap it up. Uh, going through this divorce, going through this time, uh, would you say now? You've talked about the cross. You've talked about growing spiritually, growing closer to Christ. Wounds with your friends and things that you were hoping would be there that just weren't there. Um, if you could say, you know, two sentences to a man who, or a woman who is facing divorce that they don't want, you know, the, the ending quote that we can, that we can hang this on, uh, what would you say to that person right now? Knowing what you know with the kids and the raising them and the dealing with all that stuff, what would you say to them? You know, life it's not the Brady Bunch. Life is messy. You know, the Christian life is messy. I, w- I would say that, you know, un- not unlike everyone else in the history of Christendom who has dealt with suffering, you know, this is just one part of that. This is just, this is really honestly a true um, martyrdom, so to speak, or, uh, you know, a a suffering that they can um, find peace in if they 
you know, don't abandon, don't abandon their prayer life, you know, stay close to, stay close to Jesus and, um, just have hope that God still has a plan. Because <clears throat> even right now, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm at six years from being divorced. I have no idea what, what God's plan is for me. It might be just being a single dad for the rest of my life. And, and I think, honestly, that's something I have had to come, I have to come to terms with. That seeking to fill that void with another person is not the right way to go. I mean, like seeking to fill that void with a woman or, I mean, obviously a woman. But if you're a woman, like seeking to fill that void with a man is not the way to go. I mean, you need to seek, that, seek to fill that void with your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, relationship with your kids and have faith that you don't need to grasp and fix your life. I mean, you don't need like a, a, a feeling I've had very often in, in the past many years has been, I need to fix my life by inserting a wife and, and normalizing my wife, my life, you know, but yeah. you don't, you do not need to, you do not need to fix it by yourself. You just need to take care of what's right in front of you. You need to love your kids. You need to do your job. You need to do your jobs to the best of your ability. And you need to uh, love other people around you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Dude, thank you, Mike. This, uh, this has been in, like incredible, honestly. Like very... I don't know. Like, this has been really holy. Good. Thank you. Glad you think so. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sponsors. Cherubalm.com. Say goodbye, Thomas.